The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Align and awaken with Mother Earth Rising podcast. Let's rise and heal together with me, Pippa, your Mother Earth healer. Hey beautiful souls, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited today to bring a a newbie out of just pure, I won't say coincidence because nothing's a coincidence, but I I was brought to a gentleman through a course I've been signed up to and I really wanted to bring this gentleman on to the podcast today because I feel like his wisdom and knowledge can really help you down a different path. So let me welcome Dale Allen Hoffman to the show. Dale is an Aramaic wisdom keeper, which even the sound of that Aramaic wisdom keeper just makes me want to ask a thousand questions. So welcome, Dale. <laughs> I get a lot of questions even in the grocery store or coffee <laughs> shops. So <laughs> I bet you do. It's just such a beautiful thing that you're doing. And I think because I'm just new to Aramaic, I just want to be able to get to know more about it. And obviously my listeners are going to be like, wow, what's this? And where's it come from? And what does it mean? So the floor is yours, Dale. Just let people know, you know, what it means, what you know, how you fell into this work and a bit about you. Well, Aramaic is the language that Jesus, Yeshua, would have would have spoken, and uh, it's a the reason most people haven't heard of it. I mean, it's 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 kind some of it, and I don't I don't go into the conspiracy thing, but it's kind of on purpose in that it was very much swept off the carpet in reference to the Bible and Koine Greek was kind of pulled front and center, and then ultimately Latin, Old English, Middle English, Modern English. Etc. And people don't really think about the fact that we're looking at a 2,000-year-old teaching from a perspective that's about 500 years old if you're looking at the authorized King James Bible. And uh, people just go, wait a second, I never thought about the fact that he didn't speak English. I'm like, well, English did not exist. And, uh, you know, I... Over, I've spent really since I was seven years old deep in Bible studies, and I did not do that you know, through church avenues. I was, you know, grew up Methodist, uh, but I did not, I was doing all of my study on the side because I realized the church didn't, I bless their hearts, have a clue what they were talking about. And I just kept going, going, going. And then I was in my late teens. And after doing a bit with Hebrew and Greek through my teen years, I all of a sudden fell upon uh, Rocco Erico, a guy named Dr. Rocco Erico, and his teacher, George, Dr. George Lamza. Rocco today is a very dear friend of mine. But I started looking into the teachings and I'm going, wait a second here. This stuff, you know, what they're saying is so much closer to what I felt as a kid when I was reading the Bible and people would tell me one thing and I'd go, I don't know, that doesn't feel right to me. And then I ultimately ran into a guy named Dr. Michael Rice who was literally took a lot of the Aramaic teachings and put them into a very, I would say, practical form so that people could actually use those in their everyday lives, like deep Aramaic forgiveness work, etc. And I remember going to see him the first time in Clearwater, Florida, and I remember him coming up to me during the break. He was like, well, so what's happening? He was like, it looks like I could peel you off the ceiling. 
And I said, whatever you have, I want all of it. And I dove in head first. And um, that was about 30 years ago. And I haven't stopped since. I, I, it's a funny thing because like, as an example on my YouTube channel, there's people that will give me a thumbs down as soon as a video goes up. And I actually just started a video series today, a free series for 21 days called 21 Day Aramaic Evolution, where I'm going to be shifting one one idea a day from the ancient teachings. And I just find it funny that people are so against truth being put out to empower, have personal empowerment rather than in a book or in a, an organization, etc., or a separate person, that people will even thumbs down my videos. As soon as it went live, somebody thumbs down before they even watched it. So I have to, I, I have to have like an honor of that and say, wow, that's amazing. And I feel sort of a pride in rattling what I say there is their precious cage, but that can't stop me. This has to get out. It doesn't matter if people uh, aren't ready for it. It doesn't matter if a lot of people are resisting this. People have been resisting the truth of these teachings for 2000 years. And a lot of people say, well, I threw the Bible out as a kid. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I'm like, well, you've never actually heard what was in those teachings originally. So when I'm unpacking things like the Aramaic Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes, the I Am statements, whatever it may be, when you just give it to people clean and clear as it was then and show them how things have been misinterpreted and altered along the line, uh, it's either incredibly liberating and people have deep emotional responses in that sense, crying, laughing, or they want to attack me and they want to go after me. And the funny thing is I see that if somebody wants to attack me, go after me, then there's two things that pops up for me. One is obviously I did rattle whatever indoctrination that they've got in them. That's number one. Number two is if they want to attack me, then obviously whatever their indoctrination or conditioning is, is inaccurate. It's false because they have even the idea of wanting to attack wanting to shut down something that's a lot more truthful. So I take a sense of not necessarily pride in that, but deep uh, honor in knowing that I'm, I somehow was chosen to handle and help channel something that uh, isn't necessarily going to land really smoothly for a lot of people. For a lot of people, they're going to want to go after me, you know, and go after the, you know, go after the messenger, so to speak, the word malaka in Aramaic or angelos in Greek. And uh, in that sense, I just keep going and I get deeper every day with it. I am constantly going back to things I first learned 30 years ago and looking at them with fresh eyes. I say essentially that every day I wake up, I'm trying to make the person that I was yesterday look almost stupid, not stupid, but almost to like constantly disprove the things that I thought I had figured out. And that sounds tiring, which it can be at times, but it's the only way to live a life that is truly wholly open rather than the conceptual relationship most people have with ideologies, etc. I don't do that. I just want to be open. And if something doesn't work, if it doesn't activate my soul on the first pass, then I move on to something else. And in that sense, all I feel is love. All I feel is evolution and a deep sense of peace. So I know that anybody that does want to come after what I'm doing 
if they're not feeling peace and they're not feeling love, then I literally don't care what they think because whatever they're thinking and feeling is faulty anyway. However, my door is open. My door is open. So, Well, now I know why I was drawn to you because everything you've just said there, it's like music to my ears because like hats off to you you know again people coming after you is is their ego and it it's the stuff they don't understand and I love uh, on your website where you've said you know so so many people call you the teacher behind the teachers because you really are you, you're just teaching something that I will I will agree with you I started to read the bible last year and my partner will vouch for this I, I, t- I bought the I bought the Bible and I bought this book to go with it. It was like a women's Bible where you did it in sections and I just got so much through it and I was like, I can't do it. It just was so hard to read. And there was only a few stories in the Bible that I really love, especially the Moses story. Like that's one of my favorites. It's one of the ones that I've connected to obviously because Wayne does talk, Wayne Dyer talks about it a lot. And a lot of the stories I've found through, I was brought up Catholic, but I would just class myself as spiritual now. It's just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing that you're doing because I think most people would agree the Bible is the way we read it. It's, I find it hard to read. It's just the language. And as you say, like Jesus didn't speak English. English wasn't around then. And I never thought of that until you just said, I thought, wow, yeah, like English was, you know, wasn't English then, was it? So I just, I'm just, I just, I'm just smiling the whole time you were speaking. It just, it's like, it's like I'm in, I'm in awe of your work, and I think that's why I'm so drawn to it because it's like questions I've had about the past and how, yeah, the conspiracy theories, there's a conspiracy theory to everything, you know. And I think I'd love to learn more from you about that because I think that was kind of where I've got a real big connection to Mary Magdalene and Jesus. Like I just feel, especially being down in Glastonbury where Oliver is, and you know, going on those quests. It's just such a a magical story, isn't it really? Oh, very much so. And and Magdalene was completely, you know, pushed off the map. So was Judas. Judas was turned into a betrayer when there's nothing in any ancient Aramaic or Greek manuscripts that say that he betrayed Jesus. The word in Aramaic was mashamlia. The word in Greek is uh, paradedom or parade dome, and what those words both mean is to fulfill. It means to complete a circle. There's no betrayal in either of those. It actually means to basically do something that was requested of you. And it's funny, you look in the Gospel of Judas, and Judas got all these secret teachings that he told others, like, if I told you what he told me, you would stone me to death. And it was the same with Magdalene. I think they probably wanted to stone her to death. And uh, it's... It's unfortunate because especially with Magdalene, with Magdalita and Yeshua, the the true relationship of the bridal chamber in ancient Gnosticism, it only exists in a 50-50 of masculine feminine. It can't work with 98% Jesus, 2% Mary. It doesn't work that way. It has to be a true divine union of perfect balance. And a lot of people don't realize that. So these people that were sort of pushing her off onto the side in the Bible and doing God knows what else, trying to change her message, were just bless their hearts. I love them dearly. They were ignorant of what they even had in their hands. They were ignorant of the Jesus teachings. And the thing I say a lot to people is 
it doesn't matter how great of an interpreter someone is from one language to another, if that person hasn't had some sense of the experience, the direct experience of what's being addressed, they cannot accurately translate something. It'll never happen. I can try translating from one language to another about some sort of deep technical thing about cars or some kind of weird robotic things. And I wouldn't be able to translate that if I hadn't had experience of gnosis of knowledge in the direct experience and application of that. People don't think about that with the Bible. They just take it on faith. They think that's faith. It's actually belief that all of these church fathers, and it was all fathers, not many mothers, they weren't allowed, but these church fathers somehow got it right because it's in the, the inerrant word of God. And it's like, okay, well, if it's the inerrant word of God, how come I can pick up five different Bibles and get five completely different translations out of the same line? So people don't even understand what that means. What's inerrant is the essence of that that consciousness, that awareness, that light, that deep cosmic universal passion of creativity, of a deep sense of feeling that comes through us directly. That's what's inerrant. How we interpret it is the issue, or as soon as we essentially boil it down into a concept and allow it to harden, put it on a page and start buying it and selling it to each other, that's where we got into the problem. We stopped listening to our heart. We stopped having on the feeling level, which is where that inerrant sense of not word on a page, but that word in Aramaic is milta or logos in the Greek. And that's that essence of feeling that lives through us. It can't live on a page, much like it says in the Essene Gospel of Peace, you know, translated by Edmund Zichelli, the, the, the words are dead. The scripture actually isn't life. The life is that which is aware of it. And we need to get back to that deeper sense of awareness, being, and love about the teachings. Yeah, it's the same. Like the work I do is around helping people to let go of ego, like, you know, because it's similar to what you've just been saying. It's we've lost touch of, of that awareness and the love within our hearts. And I think, again, we read something and we believe it straight away without doing any research or any, you know, any kind of, you know, you said like looking into things and, you know, being a keeper, you know, just trying to like look for ancient secrets. And there's always a different side to a story, isn't there? And, I think as time went on in the history that we know, things did get played around, didn't they? Things did get changed. It's like Chinese whispers, as they say, you know, things were told and told and told. And I think money came into it, didn't it? Obviously, we wanted to make money out of stories. It's it's like today, it's similar today. People strive for money instead of striving for helping others. And it's it it makes me sad because, you know, there's a lot of a lot of toxicity in the world and it, it again it's yin and yang, there is balance, but the work we do all of us light workers it just helps people to become aware and have their own you know connect to their own belief and their own faith into something and I just I love anything to do with the with the, the ancient history even like things like um, da Vinci code like that just got my mind just boggled because even when my partner's from the states he's from California and he loves the UK with all the historic places here and I remember when we watched the Da Vinci Code and we did some of the sites like Roslyn Chapel and God, it was just so magical because I felt like, and you could, you can feel the energies there. You can really feel, you know, that, yeah, you know, these people were here, you know, in our past. And I don't know what your take is on Da Vinci Code, but it does get your mind wandering. 
it's funny because I'm very I'm a, a big find myself defending Dan Brown pretty often because people don't understand there's there's a line in one of the great films ever created kind of violent but a great truly passionate Wachowski film V for Vendetta and there's a great line in there where I believe it's V that says uh, that artists use lies, or excuse me, politicians use lies to cover the truth, cover up the truth. Artists use lies to reveal them. I'm paraphrasing, but the thing about you know, and it's not just lies; it's mythology. And you know, Dan Brown was able to get information out there in a. I put this in quotes, fictional context, which he said was a fiction. And it's amazing to see, like, I know how vehemently I get attacked, which again tells me if somebody's attacking, then whatever they believe is, I'm just going to be blunt BS, you know, it's belief systems. But, you know, that that's just the, the way it is. And I saw that with Dan Brown too, all of the picketing. And it's like, look, people, why are you so terrified of a fiction of something that you yourself can't even confirm and deny. You know, speaking of Rosalind Chapel, they were, you know, Dan was able to integrate insights into those books. And ultimately, I think they did really well with the films. Ron Howard did a great job with those being able to, although a lot gets left out on the cutting room floor there, but, but being able to get people back to saying, hey, wait a second, maybe those things that we were so sure of, maybe they aren't quite as perfectly foundation foundational as we ultimately realize. And in the end, if it does its magic, maybe we need to look for those truths inside. Because as an example, you know, past the secret or 10 people at an auto accident and, you know, the officers show up and insurance adjusters show up and you talk to all 10 people and you have 10 completely different stories. And it just happened 20 minutes earlier and all 10 of them are watching it at the same time. So you start to think, well, maybe history isn't quite so reliable here in the U.S. Uh, it wasn't until I was in my teens that I started realizing, like, especially after reading Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee from D. Brown, it wasn't until I read that book that I went, wait a second here. 99% of what I've been told my entire life in school taught as almost like a religion about Native Americans, about the first peoples of Turtle Island, you know, they, the Indians, as they said, is almost completely false. And over half of it was actually written by insensational stories by newspaper writers who were actually trying to get picked up on the precursor of the Associated Press. So they would write these uh, the sensational stories about these intense battles of these Lakota heathens and all this other garbage. Other people that don't realize it, people like L. Frank Baum, the writer of The Wizard of Oz, was writing vehement vehement what you would today called editorials or blog posts i would say in the internet sense about how the the mud the 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 rot in the blood of native americans and even rot in the blood of blacks and then you look at it today and you look at like the wizard of oz and that's still an amazing piece of art but people i think unless they can bring it into the heart level they have a real sort of challenge in moving beyond the mythology mythology or the frame on the page or the frame in front of them in a film or on a book what in a book or however it may be and bringing it back to the heart but that's what I do I teach people how to do exactly that 
and realize nobody knows exactly what happened in any of these situations. And we probably never will. You want to add in some people work with the Akashic Records. And it's funny because even Edgar Casey said anyone who is knowledgeable enough in shifting energy can even get into the Akashic Records, which is essentially the library system of humanity, the psychic system of humanity, and shift even what's in there. So we're never really going to know. So in the end, what matters is now. What matters is how does how do I feel about it? What do I really think about it? And most people don't realize you're actually allowed to form opinions about these things. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like oh, the, the only time we have is now, especially, you know, if everything's an illusion and everything's happening now with parallel universes and there's so much out there. And I think that's why I think sometimes a lot of clients I work with, they get over, you know, overwhelmed because the, the, we're in information overload. We've got that much information accessible to us. I mean, you'll probably know with Oliver is like you can access a lot more than you could have done, you know, a hundred years ago to a sense. You've got the internet, but then it's like, you know, what's truth, what's not. That's kind of the things that I'm going through right now is when I'm reading things, I'm thinking, oh, and I, I took on board what you said. If, if I don't resonate with it, I just move on. I just think no. And I mentioned this today on my Instagram. You know, I said a lot of people are coming to me and asking for my opinion on COVID and conspiracy theories. And I just say I don't have an opinion because as Wayne said, you know, have a mind open to everything and attached to nothing. But I think that's kind of why I say to clients as on the video today is if you're reading something or watching something, and it doesn't resonate and it brings you discomfort or, you know, you get a bit afraid or it's negative energy, just, you know, move past it. Read things that light your soul up, read things that make you feel alive because they're the things that, you know, your soul's getting, you know, recognizing something in there, which is, could be some truth. And I think people don't realize by connecting, you know, meditating, connecting to source, to God, to the universe, it's truth can come that way too. You know, that's the awareness that we want to obviously help people with ah, beautiful you know it's that returning to the sense of the true sense of feeling you know which is that sensation of pure frequency i have my little toning bowl here it's moving back you know when we're sent when we're downloading this energy when we're channeling it when we're approaching it in everyday life etc it's moving back from thought. We have this weird idea that's come in in the last 70 or so years that thought is a creative power. But the truth is that thought is the crystallization or the effect of feeling. Feeling is the sensation of pure frequency. And I do not mean emoting. If you want to add emotion to it, emotion is the relationship between what we have has ultimately crystallized down that effect of thought and our true being, and whether we are in or out of congruence or in or out of harmony with that. But prior to thought, we have a feeling. We have a sensation of a pure, energetic experience prior to having a thought about it. And that is where the true creative power lies. If we can move sort of beyond behind the curtain, come behind what we're thinking, slow the process down enough to actually bring our heart awareness to that place of pure frequency, then we start to realize, wait a second here, I'm creating there. And depending on what I focus on, whether that's enunciated as a thought or not, I can actually literally create my life in, in that kind of 
slowed down state. And, you know, I remember talking many times with Wayne, many times face to face about these tennis matches that he was having. And he was like, I swear to God, Dale, he's like, I watched the ball stop midair for me and wait for me to get from one side of the court to another. He was really into this book. Um, this is when I really first spending time with him back in the early, early 1990s. He was really into that book flow from, he would say, Mikhail or something like that. He pronounced his second name, his last name, but he was really into that book on a lot of levels. Um, and he literally, we would have these deep conversations about bending space and time. And that is that all that's happening prior to thought. That's when you're back in that area of simply the sensation of pure frequency. And you're not even allowing thought into the game. It's deep, deep meditation in the very most Buddhist sense in that way. And I mean, if we could just learn to live our lives more in that space, what I always say is have the cosmic question mark above your head. For decades, I've been telling people the greatest thing you can do is walk into a room open and empty and just be curious. Keep your curiosity open. You'll be able to experience so much more of life than you would if you get locked in thought, beliefs, concepts, and all that's a part of being a human being. But my focus tends to be more on the being than it is on the human itself. So, yeah, I was saying, you know, being and doing that, you know, the ego wants to do, 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 do with the, you know, the soul within you wants to be, it wants to just be and just live this life from moment to moment. And yeah, like it's, as you say, when I listen to you, Dale, it's, I like how you take a breath as you're doing now and you just, Eckhart Tolle does this a lot you know I watch him on stage and I'm getting there because I like to talk a lot so (laughs) I get to (laughs) so do I yeah so I want to like say what I want to say and I I remember listening to Eckhart a few years ago and I used to sit at this was I was 25 five years ago so I remember thinking god he's just so composed and he just but then I'd think oh my god what would people be thinking of me in the minute that I'm not speaking but then obviously that was my ego back then I've done a lot of work around that and now there's so much power in a silent moment. Like if you stand on stage as you probably have before and just have a minute, there's so much power in that silence. And that's kind of, let's just take a moment. (laughs) It's true. It just allows you to recenter and like whoever's listening to it, whatever you're doing, just take a moment just to breathe life force. That, that breath is the great calibrator. That breath is what spirit truly meant. Luka. That's actually what my first Luka. video is on YouTube <laughs> today in this 21-day thing is what the heck was spirit, which was the first mm-hmm. class we did, you know, Oliver and I did. And I have to say something about Eckhart as well. I hear a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, he's so famous, Pops Will. And I'm like, look, you know, first of all, he's a normal everyday guy who essentially he was terrorized by his own ego until he has this thought in the middle of the night, I can no longer live with myself. And he's like, what am I one or am I two? But I'm like, in the end, I'm like, this is a true avatar. And I don't, when I say that, I don't mean putting him up on a pedestal. This is a true common everyday person who 
has insight that, you know, you really we would get from maybe Paramahansa Yogananda or, you know, Sri Muktananda or Nisarkadaha Maharaj or Sri 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 Yabadabadu of Bedrock or wh- whoever it is. It's like I tell people, you know, pay attention because through Oprah about 20 years ago, Eckhart brought awareness, consciousness, meditation to stay at home mothers, stay-at-home fathers, housewives, etc., in a way that had never happened to humanity before. And it's wild. Just this morning, I look at some video that w- went up on his channel on YouTube, and it had been up like three hours and had like 60,000 views. And I'm like, everything in me was like, that's beautiful. That's awesome. People yeah. are waking up. If I was doing what I'm doing now 50 years ago, I would have been dead <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and again, you know, the people that would have done it, if they were going to go to that length, whatever they believed was, I'm going to be blunt bullshit anyway. So that's the thing. You know, we have to be able to keep going, not bite the hooks that social media, culture, whatever puts in front of us, and to simply be awake and aware and our best essentially our best strength is when we are silent and quiet and to be able to be okay with, you know, Uma Thurman, whose father is Robert Thurman, uh, a huge teacher of mine in Buddhism for many, many years. She talked about in the movie Pulp Fiction about uncomfortable silences. So you start thinking, what is it that's uncomfortable about it? It's because my ego, my mind just wants to run on and talk. And it's like, we're not, truly afraid of silence because it's nothing. I feel that we're afraid of silence because it embodies everything. Yeah. It's like standing in your own way of, of everything. Yes. It is. It's, um, it's funny you mentioned about Eckhart because Chris and I and my partner, we actually truly believe in my heart that Eckhart is an enlightened being. I, I truly yes. believe that nothing can bother him now. You know, I just think someone could just give him some grief on social media or an email. And I just think he just doesn't even bat an eyelid. And it's quite, it, it, it gets me emotional sometimes when I think of that, because that's one of my, I wouldn't say goals, because it's not a goal. It's just one thing I really connect with is to be an enlightened being before I leave to be fully enlightened. You know, it's, and I know Wayne never got there because he, he he talked about it in his last lecture. I am light, and I remember him saying he was in Sydney and he was he, he but he, he was aware of it. You know, he pick up on it. He would say, "Oh, oh, sorry," and he, you know, he, he he'd correct himself. But you know, Wayne did a good job. I, I love Wayne's work. He's a huge spiritual teacher of mine and my partner Chris as well. And you know, I, I just feel like similar to you, Dale. I just feel really close to him in so many ways. He guides me a lot. He sends me people. He he literally, I just think he leads the way for me at the moment. And I just feel so connected to him. And I know you have obviously stories to tell about him and you've got your own. How did you actually come across Wayne? Was it through his work? Well, long story short, yeah, there's lots of stories in there from decades. But um, I originally found him because I somehow ended up was getting different audio programs from a company called Nightingale Conant. Uh, This would have been 1991. And I started getting into, uh, I met Marianne Williamson, was studying A Course in Miracles with her up 
at the New York Open Center just around the time that her first book, A Return to Love, came out. I'm still a teenager, um, and no, but not a lot of people knew who she was yet. And then all of a sudden, you know, the numbers coming to the group multiplied like tenfold in a month. No kidding. But I got this thing about getting a, an audio program called The Awakened Life from Wayne. It was six cassettes. And I got it, and it absolutely shifted my everything about my life. And I actually saw that he was doing a Hay House event in New York City at the Paramount Theater at Madison Square Garden. So I got his address, and I wrote him a letter. And I, at that point, I had read like three of his books. And I wrote him a letter a day for 30 days saying, I really need to talk to you. They were pretty involved. And it's funny, I ran into him at the... Um, uh, at the Paramount, the- uh, you know, Paramount theater. And I had sent him a photo. So he was like, you, he's like pointing at me across the room and he's surrounded by all these people. And he waves me over and he was like, he was like, you're the one that's been writing me 10 letters a day for the last six months. And I was like, it's <laughs> one letter a day for 30 days. So we immediately hit it off. And then he was like, well, what did you need to talk about? And I said, well, I don't know exactly yet. And he was like, how about this? He was like, I'm going to be signing stuff all the day, all day. I'm going to be crowded with people. But he was like, at the end of the evening, can you stay? And I said, yeah, he was like, I'll make time for you. So like after the entire event, we'd keep running by each other. I would run into Marianne, who I knew, Gabrielle Roth, who I had done some stuff with, Louise Hay, you know, all these different people. But um, at the end of the night, Wayne actually f- sent Maya, his agent, who became a, a great friend, Maya Labos, sent her to find me. And she's like, come on, come on. Wayne's waiting in the, in the stairwell. I'm like, okay. All the lights are out. There's just little s- footlights. And there's a security guard there. And Wayne and I go, and we sit down in the steps. And he was like, well, he just, we just, he started talking. And, uh, and then at some point, after a few minutes, he's like, well, what exactly was it you needed to talk to me about? So I just told him, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. I saw myself doing something similar to what he was doing, but it had more of a kind of rock star energy to quality of energy. And he starts making jokes. Aha. It's because your hair is long. And, you know, and I remember him pointing and I heard it in his talks before. And he said, you know, this is really a solar panel for a sex machine. And I'm like pointing at his bald head. And I started (laughs) laughing And then he looked at me and all of a sudden there's tears in his eyes. And he said, maybe it was just this connection. Maybe this is what we really needed to do. And I just went silent and he told me anything he could do for me. He would do anything I needed, call the office. So for years, you know, I would call, talk to Maya for a while and any event of his for about 15 years, I could just show up with a friend or two, my wife ultimately too. And, you know, just go right in. It was pretty um, amazing. He was constantly sending me cases of signed books to give to friends constantly. uh, And I was giving them all out. Um, Yeah. And there's so much more I could say, but uh, I could go on forever. He's so blessed. I never got to see him uh, because I only, I kind of got on my spiritual journey in probably 2014 and then obviously died in 2015. So I never got to see him, but I, it doesn't, affect me and because i just know that i can connect to him any day any moment yeah he's probably with us now probably laughing jokes and i, I hear just, his voice he he had <laughs> that voice yes so yeah and that's kind of like how i see him when i feel into him is like he has this such a he's got such a funny 
like you said, joke, like jokey. I just, it just his energy when he comes through and I channel him. I'm like, oh, and he's just making jokes. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, but it just goes to show, like his energy is is so present. And I think because I, because obviously I, I buy his books and then I literally buy his books for my clients. And mm-hmm. one of the one of my favorite books he wrote was um, "Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life." The Dow. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really into the Dow at the moment. I, I'm practicing the Dow. I'm really trying to help people connect to the Dow because I know you obviously know about it, and it's about connecting back to that original nature. And if I can help people do that, it just it again it helps them to let go of ego a little bit more, and you know, connect back to who we really are, which is love and Wayne helped me with that with the Dow. So that's one of my favorite books of his. Yeah, I, I got to say something about that book in particular. I'm like a huge, a huge, uh, I don't want to, I don't know if I'm quite a Dallist. I'm not quite in anything in that sense, but I, and he knew that at the time, you know, I was into tons of translations of the Dow and I was so proud of what he created through that book. I, if I remember correctly, he was still living in Boca in Boca Raton and he would like go across, drive across Alligator Alley uh, and go right in like Naples or Fort Myers for the week and then go back like Friday night, he would drive back and then either Sunday night or Monday morning, he'd drive back across the state and he did that for like a month. And I remember seeing his was like a, a synthesis of all these different translations of the Tao. And I was so, I was just so blown away when he put that particular you know book out because it hit me on so many levels with a subject that I was already so deep in and I felt I don't know if pride's the word but I almost felt proud of what he created through that book it was yeah, really really that, powerful like he, he took like a whole year to channel like and take each verse of the of the Tao Te Ching to just and I obviously and I'm, he wrote on yellow legal pads I saw his <laughs> legal pads he didn't write in a computer he wrote on longhand on legal pads and the publishers rarely did much editing to it which is another interesting thing so just mm. a little piece of info <laughs> yeah it's crazy because it, again like I think he mentioned about his book Power of Intention he 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 basically said he channeled that whole book and he, when he went, went to read it back, he's like, God, this is good. <laughs> All the audience are <laughs> laughing at him and like, you know, but it's true. Like I, Chris and I, uh, we created an online course last year called the answer. And we honestly believe that that was Wayne coming through us because what happened was we started to have these ideas and we started to meditate and channel and these ideas were coming through. And it was basically like a hierarchy, a spiritual hierarchy. And, I remember just sitting and I was, you know, obviously it consists of five A's and obviously each A goes up the the hierarchy. And I just kept, it was like Wayne was coming through all the time, all the time teaching it and giving me loads of insight. And then I honestly, hands down about three weeks after that, me and my partner, Chris, when he was here in the UK, we drove to Glastonbury listening to his I Am Light course and we hadn't heard it before. And literally there was so much in that talk that he gave to us prior through the channel, you know, through the channeling meditations. And we both sat there and said, oh my God, is this like the work he was doing before he passed? Was this something, you know, you know, that kind of like feeling where you think, I wonder if he was passing on his teachings to other people because he got to a point where, you know, he created so much, he'd wrote so much, he'd done so much. And I just feel a, a lot of Wayne is in that course. You know, I, I'd happily gift that to you, Dale. Like, obviously, I think you'd love it, but I think you'd feel Wayne. You'd feel Wayne through that course as well, because that's the power of the silence. That's the power of meditation. Get into those deep, 
levels of silence so then you know the other vibrations and the other realms and spirit can come in and give you insight can give you wisdom and it leads the way and that's what I love about being a human (laughs) I really do that sounds beautiful (laughs) yeah Yeah. totally I'd happily I will send you the link when we finish and you can happily have that as a gift yeah I would love that as a matter of fact it's funny because I don't really generally and it's not because I'm I feel elevated I just don't have time to look at a lot of other people's stuff but I feel a strong thing about that you know so I'd love to see it and hear it it's funny because well, people send me books all the time that they want a blurb for and all this. And it's funny. I saw that with Wayne a lot. People would give him a lot of books and he would literally, after a while, he would say, he, le- I-, I loved watching him. He would divert everybody to Maya. So he didn't have to say to the person, well, <laughs> you know, just call the office was usually her response. He didn't, he was so burned out on doing blurbs for books and things like that. And he was really good at telling people, you know, Maya handles all that stuff. And then she was brilliant at making people really feel cared for and yeah. still sort of get rid of the ones she had to get rid of on some level. It was fun to watch that, but <laughs> I know it, it. that's the thing. Like I just, I just love him. I love all of his work and I love everything that he's created. And I think like, obviously, even though he's not here anymore in the physical, he, his work will always carry on in my eyes. Like I literally buy my clients, his books. <laughs> I just, I always laugh with him when I meditate. I always think, you know, I should get commission for your work, Wayne. Cause I send like literally everybody your stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I literally, I bought dozens of copies of you'll see it when you believe it. Uh, for a lot of people. And that's when he started sending me cases. I did the same with Marianne's return to love. I would buy dozens of those. And then I'd go back to her and I'm like, and I'd give her a face. She was like, you gave your copy away again. And and then she, I'm like, yeah. And she'd sign another copy for me. She was like, don't give that one away. Okay. And then I'd go back to her a couple months later with that look and she'd go, okay. And she'd sign another one for me. And I'd give that one away in addition to all the others. And it happened for years with her. It's funny, but (laughs) I know. And what was, what was amazing was my partner, Chris went, obviously he did the course with me and he would record a video and a lot of stuff that he would, cause he's, he's a scientist. So he's got a lot of science in him. He's a very, very intelligent man. And then he's got the spiritual aspect, same as me. He's very spiritual too. And I remember him talking about the, the deep Hubble field. And we were talking about the, the, um, the Hubble field and mm-hmm. the, you know, the universe, how, how massive it is. And, I remember like we hadn't even heard of it. Well, he had. And then next minute, Wayne's talking about it in the I Am Light course and he shows the video and Chris is like, oh my God, I've just done the video on this. And I said, oh no, it's like <laughs> he's, he speaks through us and he speaks through a lot of us. There's so many people who, and even getting you know to talk to Serena, his daughter. And I, I remember last year, this is like, I wrote this down in my journal. I remember Wayne saying to me, you will connect with Serena. And I was like, okay, like, how he said doesn't matter about the how he said I, you know you will connect with her and I thought okay and you you let it go you just go okay and you write it down and I remember I just I reached out to her and Sage because they had a new book coming out and I remember just like saying you know I, I, I bought the book I wrote I, I read the introduction that they posted on their Instagram and I remember just just letting letting it go to the universe and then I remember she emailed back and was and she followed me on Instagram and I was like okay and then I got an email back off her and we spoke on on the podcast and I was just thinking wow he really did connect us and I'm so grateful for him because you know I was so emotional on that call because she told me loads of really amazing personal stories about you know his life and the things he did for people 
and his, his kindness and generosity and I just want to create the same. I really do. Um, mm. I've also noticed as well, Dale, you've got a book, haven't you? Is it The Ancient Insight for the Present Moment, is it called? Well, the the book is Echoes of an Ancient Dream. Um, yes. Yeah, my, which is, uh, it's, it's Aramaic toning on the path of light is the subtitle, but it's about so much more than that. Yeah. Ancient insight for the present moment is my tagline. I've been using that sort of for, oh, okay, that's yeah. my sort of my five second thing I've been using for about 30 years. And it's amazing how many people I've seen steal that in different ways, but it's kind of funny. But Well, that tagline's <laughs> That tagline's pretty uh, mild compared to Wayne's because I think Wayne's was, I have sex almost every day, almost on Monday, <laughs> almost on Tuesday. And it just, oh God, it makes me it's laugh funny. every time he says that. But yeah, <laughs> I am definitely going to buy your book because it just, just things that resonate with you at the time. And I think that actually towards the end of the month, it's my birthday and I'm thinking of going back down to Glastonbury and I'm going to do a day with Oliver because I've done the sites in Glastonbury, but when you do it with someone who's so knowledgeable like Oliver, I just think it would be a bit different. Oh, God, he is beyond. We uh, we were actually originally supposed to go over there for the summer solstice, and then it got pushed back to the autumnal equinox. And now I guess it'll just be 2022, see what the world does. So many people in fear. But he and I are looking forward to not only meeting face to face after all this time, but doing a retreat, an extended retreat and actually creating some short films and maybe even a longer film together. So yeah, that'd be amazing. I can't wait to see what you create together because you're already creating amazing, amazing things. Obviously this Aramaic course that I'm doing, I just find it fascinating listening to you both and the words, like I said, the words I've never heard, but when you say them, I'm like, yeah, they feel familiar. They do. Yeah, yeah they really do. And <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm so happy listening to it because it's it's something that I love learning as well, especially when it's you know it's to do with our history. It's what brought us here, and we have them to thank. That's awesome. Really yeah, so I could talk to you for hours, Dale, like literally about so many <laughs> things. But I would love to have you back on again if you ever want to come back on to talk about different things. By all means, message me. And yeah, I will send you the link to our course. You can have a look at that and just play around with it. And just, you'll just feel Wayne through it. I just know you will. And I will buy your book. I can't wait to get your book. Awesome. It was great to be on. (laughs) Yes, it was. And anyone who has obviously found Dale fascinating as I do, please check out his website. I'll put all of his links below on the show notes. And yeah, any questions, I'm sure Dale will love you to reach out and ask him anything. But other than that, thanks dale so much for coming on awesome it was great pippa and was it chris was that your partner yeah and thank you to chris too so <laughs> yeah awesome. he's, he's, he's amazing he's actually in new zealand and i'm in the uk and i haven't seen him for a year so we're kind of dealing with a lot of heartbreak at the moment because we just miss each other but again the 5d were always connected so it's awesome. uh, it's been an amazing journey though so Thanks, Dale, so much, and blessings, and just take care. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. 
Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.